The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kent Beadle joins us, Director of Risk Consulting Services with the Russell Consulting Group and also CHS Hedging. Interesting week that we've seen in this market. And I wanted to start out uh, talking about this wheat market because they've had some, as you put it, some volatility within the trade this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, extreme volatility because we have um, continuing lower estimates coming out of Europe and uh, out of Russia and the Ukraine due to some fairly significant drought. Um, it all sort of culminated on uh, Thursday when the Ukraine had, was rumored to be halting uh, exports out of the Ukraine. And then all of the sudden, by the close, uh, there was some clarification from the uh, Ukrainian Ag Ministry. No, that's not what they're doing. They're studying the issue, et cetera. And then today, they actually put out a crop estimate that was a little bit higher than their previous estimate and uh, essentially saying, don't worry about the wheat market. And, and uh, you know, not surprisingly, we uh, we followed up yesterday's uh, kind of collapse in, uh, off, the, off of the highs with some lower trade in Kansas City and Chicago to end the week. So it is, has been a very volatile week. We're also uh, getting early yield results in spring wheat territory with um, uh, yield results quite mixed, some very, very good yields in parts of the Red River Valley, and then some disappointing yields as well. And so that's going to uh, lead to some heightened interest for the USDA report uh, next Friday. With the warm weather that's supposed to be hitting today into this weekend, will that see us at an aiding factor in getting this harvest speed picked up a little bit maybe? Oh, I think so. Um, you know, I, I think things are moving along pretty well. Now, there were a few showers, uh, very spotty showers in North Dakota here today. Um, there may be a few more that would slow things down, but uh, the forecast beyond that is is warmer and drier, and I, I think that the wheat harvest up there will be rapidly coming to a conclusion. You know, we were talking earlier this week, globally, there has been a, a struggle with this wheat this year. Yeah, you know, the uh, last USDA report, you know, saw the Europeans plus the Ukrainians and the Russians down as much as I think 26 and a half million metric tons on their production over a year ago. Um, there are many folks in the trade who think that uh, that production out of those three areas could drop another 10 million tons on the report next Friday. So um, that Friday report is going to be interesting for all sorts of reasons. Let's talk a little bit about that report. Um, some informant numbers coming out. As you look at those numbers and, and the thoughts that are kind of milling about, what are your thoughts heading into this next week's numbers? Well, uh, of course, we saw informant today at 176 in the corn and 50 bushels even on the soybeans. Um, I think that I think that the soybean number is is pretty well priced into the market. Uh, of course, soybean yields are very tough to predict until you actually um, until you get the combines rolling. Quite honestly, because you just never quite know uh, if what's in the you think is in the pods or are in the pods. And um, 
you know, we're looking at a, maybe a little bit warmer, drier August, which is something we haven't had for the last few years. So it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, soybeans actually yield in that environment. The corn number at 176, um, quite frankly, to me, is a little lower than I think many people in the industry are expecting. Um, I don't know that it's a shock to us. We've seen a lot of crop models that have been uh, leaning around the 176 area. But, uh, you know, we have some very, very good corn in some parts of the country. We also have some real challenges. And um, to say a couple bushels above trend, I, you know, I think that's a, that's a pretty fair estimate going into the report. Obviously, next Friday we're going to be reacting to whatever the number really is. As we look at the, at the numbers and, and the, the struggles that we've had, um, I know so many areas. I've, I've talked to a couple of producers in Missouri. They're getting ready to bring the combines out maybe as early as this weekend. Is that going to be factored yes. at all into the, these numbers? Well, that's a, that's a great question, actually, because, you know, USDA methodology is that the enumerators get out there, and at this point in time, you know, they're typically, you know, just counting ears. But in places like Missouri, where the crop is is so advanced because of the uh, of the heat and the dryness, they'll actually have uh, real data, real ears that they'll be able to harvest, and um, uh, you know that could lead to some very interesting and maybe surprising sorts of results. Uh, for most of the Corn Belt, however, it's going to be more a uh, a discussion about how many ears per acre are there and then they're going to give us an implied ear weight uh, in each state and that implied ear weight is going to be based on a lot of different factors but uh, primarily um, the weather and the rainfall that we've had in different areas in June and July. At what point do you think the the soybeans have become more marketable and and tradable than what we've seen as of late? Well, You know, you have an enormous amount of headline risk in the soybean market right now because uh, I think we all understand that an agreement with the Chinese and a resumption of normal trade uh, without the kind of tariffs that have been uh, put on soybeans would, would result in a very large U.S. program would start kicking off as soon as uh, the logistics would allow us to get things going. Um, and that might take a little more time, by the way, than, than many people think. Um, but it would certainly be helpful. On the other hand, uh, if this trade war continues to escalate and we have uh, a big soybean harvest without a marketplace for a lot of these soybeans, um, prices are going to have to go to a level that encourages these soybeans to essentially be stored. Brown folks, we have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Net. Welcome back to the Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kent Beadle joins us with Russell Consulting Group and with CHS Hedging as he's Director of Risk Consulting Services. We were talking trade, Kent, before we went to commercial break, and I know that NAFTA has been still will be on the four minds of many of our producers. Now, I know that Canada's kind of stepped back from the NAFTA discussions, and they say they're waiting until things work out between the U.S. and Mexico before they jump in. Do you see all that and all that discussion going on having an effect on the trade? Well, um, you know, most of the attitudes around NAFTA over the last few weeks have been a little bit more positive. 
Now, I'm not sure if it's positive about NAFTA specifically or the fact that the U.S. and the Mexicans are talking. And in fact, um, by most accounts, we are making some real good progress with the Mexicans. And you're correct. It sounds as if when the U.S. and Mexico come to some agreements on uh, on automobile parts and some of those uh, thornier issues in the automobile sector that the administration wants to tackle, that the Canadians will then come back to the table. What we don't know yet is if there are still um, demands from the United States for a sunset clause um, with with the Canadians on the sidelines. We don't really know where we stand yet on the dairy issue that is still something that has been outstanding. Um, you know, we really need to get NAFTA wrapped up. Uh, we would hope that we could get an agreement. There have been many people who have said they are optimistic that by the end of August that something may be on the table. Um, but, you know, right now these are still backroom discussions, and uh, uh, I think that they um, add to the uncertainty and the headline risk that we might have going forward. Jump over to what we've seen on the livestock side, and, and for our pork producers, we want to start with them. It's been a tough week for the hogs. We talked about it a little bit yesterday on the final bell, and today still being weighed down. You said a bit by some cash markets as well. Yeah, the uh, the nearby August contract ended up down another 50 cents here today. Um, but uh, maybe at least a little bit of uh, uh, life in the rest of the complex. Uh, with October all the way out through next June up uh, anywhere from a dollar to a dollar and 75 cents. Uh, we settled off of our highs a little bit on a little bit of late session uh, uh, hedge selling that I think uh, you know came from hog producers themselves. But um, you know at least uh, we managed to get that December hog contract, which is kind of the widely followed contract is, is that worst. A December contract. We managed to get ourselves climbed up back above the lows that we uh, breached yesterday, and so you know, on a weekly basis, it was it was not a great week, but wasn't as bad a week as it could have been. What about the uh, the cattle market? As you look at that, I know today they had some triple digit gains initially. Uh, yeah, and actually, we closed the front months uh, in cattle up over two dollars on uh, expectations that uh, as uh, trade develops here today that um, uh, those cash markets are going to be firmer than were expected earlier in the week. I know a lot of the people in the cash trade were expecting steady at best and maybe some lower trade this week, but as the week uh, uh, developed, it, it seemed more likely that we were going to get some better trade, and so the, uh, the marketplace here these last couple of sessions has, uh, has rebounded nicely. Um, you know, we almost feel like we're poised to break out on uh, on some of the uh, on, on some of the weekly charts, and um, you know, I, I think it just goes to the fact that um, the, the cattlemen have done a good job at um, taking what is a lot of inventory and and judiciously putting it through the system. Uh, they haven't buried uh, the the packers in inventory as of yet, and we seem to be just getting through this potentially uh, difficult period with an awful lot of cattle that were supposed to be hitting the market and, and getting through it because, you know, quite frankly, I think there's an awful lot of demand out there. And uh, um, I think a lot of people were positioned for a, uh, for a flush of cattle and some much lower prices, and it just hasn't come to pass. 
you know, we normally see during August things kind of slow down a bit, but what are we, what's it going to take to get some excitement back into that, that movement and procurement of beef? Oh, well, I mean, it's, I don't think it's been a bad summer from the, the, the demand standpoint at all. Um, but one of the things that I think would just be helpful for not just cattle, but for hogs and for all of our markets is if we would just get some certainty around what trade looks like in the future. And if we get that done, um, I really honestly believe that the, that most of these markets, you know, could add some significant value uh, into the products uh, because of uh, uh, the knowledge that we're going to be able to have trading partners and people to sell to in the future. Sounds good. What's the way, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Kent? They want to talk more markets with you. No, I'm I'm at the CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group at 800-851-0892. I would be more than happy to talk to your listeners. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.